0: Hey everyone, this is Josh, host of the Urban Balor Podcast. Today's guest is Marine veteran Lepsis Vasquez. Lepsis is from San Diego, California, and had a good childhood. She enlisted in the military for free schooling and chose the Marine Corps because of the great reputation they have. In this episode, Lepsis speaks on the struggle adapting to a male-dominant environment and building camaraderie with other Marines. Eventually, she married another Marine and found herself in an unhealthy marriage. Lepsis walks us through how her former husband turned out to be very controlling, which led to her fighting for her life as her husband threatened to take it while strangling her. She leaves us with how her experience in the Marine Corps has affected her mental health in the civilian world. If you enjoy this episode, go give us a five-star rating and leave a comment to help support our veterans. The bigger the community, the bigger the impact. If you'd like to contribute your story to Urban Valor know anyone else who may, reach out on Instagram at Urban Valor TV, or you could email me at josh at urbanvalor.com. Enjoy the show. My name is Lepsis Vasquez. I served in the United States Marine Corps. I was in from 2016 to 2021, and I was a sergeant when I got out. I'm from San Diego, California, and my childhood was all right. I like to think I was privileged as a child because I went to a good school. I always had like clothes and food. I did sports, and my parents weren't really the best, but I think I grew up pretty well. I joined the military because my family didn't really have much money, and they were struggling to put my sister through school so i figured that if i want to go to like a super expensive school like i did want to go to like an ivy league or something they wouldn't be able to afford like the tuition like each semester you know so obviously like free school you know the benefits and i just thought it was cool i guess i like didn't really know what i was signing up for like i thought that i was gonna like be a badass and like go to war and like do all this cool stuff you know like the movies and stuff where they show you like people kicking ass and like doing stuff and like shooting people in pink mist. So I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, like I want to do that. But I thought like the Marine Corps was the best. One of my friends, actually, I met him in like second grade. So we've known each other for quite a while. He um, had the same recruiter as me and he joined. He like graduated high school early to join the Marine Corps, like as soon as he could. And he like introduced me to her. Yeah. And like my parents hated her. They hated her so much because they they didn't want me to join. My parents were like, no, we're not going to like sign the waiver or whatever the hell when you're 17, you know, like you're not going into the Marine Corps, like you're going to die. Like everyone that joins the military is like a low life, you know, just basically had like a really bad opinion. So like they like hated her. They basically like disrespected her. Like they like talked down to her. And I just felt bad because like she had to like deal with them to like try and get me to join. Originally, I wanted to be intel. But she told me some crazy stuff about like, oh, like your parents are like Mexican and they're not like United States citizens. So like you won't be able to get like a TS, you know, and like you won't be able to be Intel. And I like believed it because I didn't know any better. Um, so I just settled for COM, just because she said like, oh, if you like pick COM, you can leave like next or like this coming February. And I wanted to leave like as soon as possible. I basically just settled for comm, but I didn't know like what I would be. But I got field wireman when I first joined. I wouldn't say it was terrible. I kind of was like the recruit that like went kind of like unnoticed until like maybe the third phase of boot camp. So I don't think I really had it that bad compared to like the other recruits, but it was basically just like your average like boot camp experience. you know, I hated my life like it was it kind of sucked, you know like, I started questioning, like, oh, my God, like, why am I doing this? Like, I think I made a mistake. And then when I, like, when I got noticed, finally, it was during, like, I don't even know, like, BWT or whatever that is, like, when you, like, you crawl under, like, the barbed wire or or whatever, they were just, like, fucking with me. And it was pretty bad, because, like, they would, I would finish the course, and they'd make me go all the way back to the beginning multiple times, and it was just awful. But when I graduated my parents like didn't go to my graduation like i told you like my parents hated the marine corps and like my dad like cut me off and he like stopped talking to me when i told him i was going to join and my mom was like spineless she was like oh well you know like i'm not going to go because if your dad goes he's going to ruin everything so then my sister showed up but no one told me that they weren't going to go until my sister went to my graduation i was like oh where's mom and she's like oh well mom's not coming you know, and I'm like, why? And she's like, well, because, you know, like she doesn't want to go because she's like afraid to go without dad. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, like typical mom. You're just like afraid of everything, afraid of my dad, no balls whatsoever. So it was pretty um, disappointing because it was like a really big moment for me because I felt like I had accomplished something like really big, you know, and like she wasn't there. I feel like to this day, I know she regrets it. But like I've like forgiven her, you know, cuz it's not something I like hold a grudge about, but whenever I think back on it it's just kind of like annoying to know that like she didn't think it was maybe like a big big enough deal to just be like, "No, I'm going without you," you know, to like be there for me. After boot camp, I went to MCT in like Camp Geiger in North Carolina or whatever it was called, and my experience are kind of sucked because yeah, I started gaining, like, a lot of weight because I just, like, would eat a lot. And then, like, I wouldn't really exercise. So I kind of, like—and I was out of shape, too. I just feel like in boot camp, it just, like, sucks all the life out of you. So after boot camp, I was, like, skin and bones. So I didn't really have such like, strength. I didn't have endurance. And then when I got to MCT, like, it was all, like, men. And there was, like, what, three women, maybe? Like, myself included in, like, the platoon. So, like, the, everything was, like, fast-paced. Like, the combat instructors were all men and, like— I literally, like, I couldn't keep up with, like, the runs or, like, the hikes or whatever. And, like, everything was, like, heavy. I had, like, never held a gun or, like, a rifle before, before I joined the Marine Corps because my family's really, like, anti-gun. So, like, my first time ever firing any sort of weapon was, like, at boot camp. Even at MCT, I was, like, really afraid to, like, go to the range. It gave me anxiety um, because I don't really think a good first experience shooting is, like, at boot camp where, like, they're all, like, yelling at you and you're, like, in a hurry and, like, trying to, like, load everything and, like... I didn't really have a good time at MCT. Being dropped into a male-dominant environment, um, I feel like I was treated mostly the same. Obviously there was like a bit of sexism, you know, like, oh, like she's a girl, she can't do that. Or like, when we were on like hikes, like I never fell out of a hike, which was good, you know, cause that would have been embarrassing. But it's like, oh, like, do you need me to carry your pack for you, you know? And it's like, I, I don't, like I can hold my own weight. You know, like I'm from California. I'm from San Diego. Like I can do the hikes, you know, and then you have like male recruits from like the West Coast saying like, oh, you wouldn't survive a day in the West Coast because of the Reaper or whatever it's called. But I'm literally from here. Like I can hike too. to just be like treated like, oh, like you can't hike like this is too heavy for you. Like you can't climb the rope like you can't go through the O course because they didn't know me. They just kind of like assumed because usually like biologically, I feel like women are, you know, a bit weaker than men. They don't have testosterone. Sometimes they don't build muscle as fast. So I feel like people just assuming that about me, like not knowing like anything about me kind of like pissed me off. It was like just really irritating. That was kind of like the first time like meeting like bro type of dudes. You know, like the like cocksucker types where they're like, oh, like I'm a badass. like I can do anything or, you know, like my job is more important than yours or like, oh, I was going to be infantry. But then blah, blah, blah. Or like like even in like comm school, like "Oh, I was a recon drop. So I ended up here. So they just think like they're better than you just because like they're men and like they joined the Marine Corps. But you're in like the exact same place as they are. I went to 29 Palms after MCT for comm school, and I think MCT is when I found out my job for the first time, my MOS, because I just knew I was comm, but I didn't know like which comm I was. And I just remember opening up my folder and I was like, what the hell is a field wireman? I was like, what is that? You know, and then like the girl next to me opened up her like folder. She's like, oh my God, like I'm a 0651. I'm like a data systems admin. And she like started crying. She's like, I don't want to go to 29 Palms. And I was like, okay. And then she like went through all this trouble to like change her like MOS to like Intel. And she went to like Monterey and like good for her. But like, I was like, what? It's a field wireman? So like I went to comm school and then I remember like the first day I got there it was like 110 degrees. And I was like, oh my God, like this kind of sucks. But I went with like this one chick that I depped in with, Courtney. So we were like really good friends and she was like the only person that I knew when I first got to 29 Palms, it kind of like cooled down a little bit from there. Like I didn't hate my life as much in comm school because I was there for such a long time. I was there from like May to like November of 2016. Um, and I didn't pick up class for a while. So I was just stuck in some like holding platoon and it was so boring and there was literally nothing to do. Like we'd be in the lounge all day, like sleeping. And like, I was just like stuck in working parties, like the landscaping working party and then i would like i hated going to like the grunt chow hall because when we would like walk there and like we'd have to like give everyone like the proper greeting and like we'd get like yelled at by like all the grunts they'd be like oh you like you didn't give me the proper greeting and little like private vasquez was like oh my god like this guy's like a pfc or a lance corporal like i didn't know you had to give him the proper greeting i thought it was just nco's so it was pretty like intimidating um to be there and like be like in the mix like with everybody The most challenging part of comm school for me, waiting to like, you know, get to the fleet, you know, cause everyone's like, oh, like the fleet's like amazing. And I felt kind of like trapped because in comm school, like we weren't allowed to like go off base without like signing out. And we had to have like a buddy that was like the same gender and there weren't many women. There was like two women in my class and I wasn't really friends with them. I didn't like them at all. So I couldn't really find like a buddy to do stuff with. And they were both light duty. So I couldn't like go to the gym. And like I couldn't go out to like run and then like I couldn't literally like do anything because we were just like so like under like lockdown. Uh, We couldn't have like a car. We had like curfew. We had like five million formations a day. By the time like you would get out of class and like go back to your barracks room and like maybe get like. Lunch or dinner or something like formation. And then like you'd go to your room and chill and then like formation and you try to like go to the gym and like formation. So that was probably like the most challenging part is just to like get into like a routine and like just being stuck and like not knowing like what comes next. And probably another part I hated was when I went to work for the first sergeant, I worked in like the company office and I hated her. She was the worst. She was like an alcoholic. She, and she like always showed up to work like drunk and she would like take us out of our rooms at like midnight or one in the morning just to give us some stupid talk. And like she would like struggle to get on like the PT platform that they had. And like Marines would have to like lift her up because she was so drunk, like always like slurring her words and just saying a bunch of stupid shit. And I was like, dude, is she drunk? It would be like midnight and we were out there and I was like, what are we doing here? You know, but I hated working for her so much because like she would like, Make me like so anxious and like constantly like talk down to me. And I tried to like my best to act like accordingly, but I was just like super like afraid of her for some reason. And I like, I begged the sergeant that worked with her. I was like, please fire me, like fire me, like tell her that like I suck so I can like get out of there. And then one day, like the first sergeant was like, you know what? You're not really good at your job. You're fired. And I was like, Oh, thank God. I don't really know what happened to her after I left comm school. I think. I'm not sure. I don't want to like, I'm just speculating here. I think she got like a DUI and got like knocked down. Um, I'm not so sure though. But I do think that people noticed because she was obviously like very like drunk. So from com school, I went to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Um, and I remember the day I got my orders in com school, I was like super excited. And I was like, I want to be on like the West Coast, you know, Miramar or Camp Pendleton or overseas. I like wanted to go to like Okinawa, Um, And then like some someone came up to me. They're like, hi, you're going to Lejeune. And I was like, yeah, right. And then I like saw my name on the list. And I was like, oh, fuck, like I'm going to Lejeune. And I was like, no, like I I was like, I've heard so many bad things about Jacksonville. It's like a shithole. There's nothing there, you know. And then I heard about my unit, 10th Marines. I heard it was like the place that Marines go to like die, you know, like your career is like dead (laughs) once you go to 10th Marines. Because although like the batteries are deployable, like my headquarters company or headquarters battery was not deployable. So basically, like I went there, like knowing that I would never do anything with my like Marine Corps career. I remember the first day I got there, I was flying with like a bunch of people um, in my class that were going to Camp Lejeune, too. So I felt kind of like good knowing that I would be with them for like maybe like the next 12 hours um, but I was the only one going to my unit, going to 10th Marines. So I didn't really know what to expect. And I was like, shit, there's probably not much women there, you know, since it's in, like an artillery unit. Um, but it was funny because at the airport, I ran into two dudes coming back from like the post-deployment leave. And they were with like some, I don't know, like echo battery. I have no idea. Um, and they gave me a ride from like the airport to like JRC, where I first like went to check in. And I guess that was pretty nice of them. They didn't have to, but they probably saw I was like a little scared boot. So they wanted to do something nice for me. And I basically was stuck in JRC for maybe like a week or two because I guess nobody in my unit knew I was even coming. And then finally, like some corporal came to pick me up in like the duty van. And I was like all in alphas, you know, like ready to like check in and everything. And I was like super nervous because like I didn't know what to expect. He dropped me off and like walked me into like the shop. And then like I walked in and like I just saw like a bunch of people staring at me. And I was like, Oh my God. Like what do I do? All of them were NCOs except for like two people. They were all, they were both Lance corporals and they were like all men except for one corporal who was a, who was a female. And she was like my mentor. She like took me under like her wing because obviously I was a girl. And they're like, Oh, we were expecting a man, you know, like we were told that, you know, like you were a guy. And I was like, Oh, that's strange. And I later found out that there was another Vasquez at the schoolhouse and their orders got switched. So he went to Miramar and I ended up in Lejeune, but I was supposed to be going there and he was supposed to be going to Lejeune because they were expecting a radio operator. And obviously I was a wireman. And when I found that out, I was pretty upset, you know, because I could have ended up somewhere way better. But instead I got stuck in Jacksonville. I was like super intimidated um, because all the NCOs were like trying to be hard, you know, and like kind of like treating me like shit. Um And then like the other two Lance corporals or whatever rank they were, they were like trying to, I guess, assert their dominance and kind of just be like, oh, this is how we do stuff around here. Um, Like, I'm like your boss and like you're going to like respect me and, you know, like treating me kind of like shit. The only one that didn't treat me badly was the female, of course. And she kind of just like took me around to like check in. And she was telling me, like, all this stuff, like, you need to be careful here. Like, there's a lot of dudes, you know, like, we looked you up on Instagram and saw your profile. It was public. You need to make it private, like, right now. And she, like, watched me do it. She, like, forced me to make my Instagram private because she knew, like, as soon as she saw me that, like, people would be trying to, like, follow me and, like, talk to me and stuff. Everyone was, like, cool with her. And, like, she had, like, upper body strength. She could do pull-ups and she was just kind of like one of the dudes. And like, I wasn't like, that was like the complete opposite. I like, had no upper body strength, all legs. You know, I look like tiny. I had like a dainty frame and I was overweight by like a few, like two pounds, maybe like when they went to like weigh me in, I weighed like, I think like the cutoff was like 144 pounds for like my height, which is like five two. And I weighed like 146. And I was like so embarrassed because the sergeant that was weighing, weighing me in, he was like trying to figure out like a way for me to like not be overweight. So I had to be weighed in like four times. So right off the bat, I like didn't make a good first impression because like my uniform didn't fit right. I was like overweight, you know, but she just told me to like watch out who I hang out with. There was like a lot of people there that are like crazy and like not really like concerned about like your best interests, especially like with the way I looked. She just said like to watch out for like men. Like all the men, like every man there. I was like really scared because I was like, shit, you know, like, yeah, I was like in like homeschool and like male dominated environment before, but like the way she was just talking about these men, you know, they were like, she just made them sound like savages who couldn't like control themselves. So I was like, dude, something's going to happen to me. (laughs) That's what I felt like at first kind of like it was gradual. The two lance corporals that I worked with would be like, Oh, like, You don't contribute anything to like the shop. All you do is like sit there and like look pretty. You never get your hands dirty. Like you have to like do this or they make me do like stupid shit because I guess one of them like tried to get at me because the other one was married, but he hated his wife. There wasn't a day where I wasn't there that he wouldn't talk shit about her. He was like, I hate being married to her. Like, I hate her. And we have a stupid baby. And like, I'm stuck with her forever. And like, I just hate going home. And but then like the other one was like single. And he would be like, oh, like, come in my room, you know, like, let's go watch a movie. Let's go eat dinner. And I'd be like, nah, dude. And then he'd like treat me like shit because I like rejected him. So and I would always get like stuck doing like stupid shit, like cleaning like the cables and stuff, even though they weren't dirty, like washing the Humvees or the seven tons of like the rain, probably worse then I feel like I should have been treated, like, just because, like, there were so many men that were, like, trying to shoot their shot. And I was just like, nah, like, I'm not interested. And then they'd be like, oh, okay, fine, you know, go run a lap or go fill a sandbag or, like, you know, like, do this. Or, like, you have duty, you know, like, duty twice a month and, like, supply duty and then driver duty just because I wouldn't be interested in them. I obviously was, like, a private PFC, you know, uh, and my first time in the field, like, I don't know what the fuck was going on you know, I would get like yelled at like all the time because I wouldn't know like what was happening and nobody would like explain to me. So like I would just be like doing something and like a staff would be like, no, that's not what you're supposed to do, you idiot. And they would like chew me out for like minutes at a time. And I'd be like, well, no one fucking told me. One time I like stepped in like a fire ant nest or whatever, like an anthill. And like there was like ants like crawling all over me. And this one sergeant, she told me to like take off like my boot and like just like, And shake them all out so literally like the second I sat down I got yelled at again they're like why are you sitting down like don't sit down like we have work to do and I was like but she just told me to sit down and like take off my boot and like shake it off but then so I like couldn't do it so I basically just had like fire ants in my boot like the whole time and then it would like always rain and like our tents would be like flooded and then I would get put on like the night watch and when I get off of watch they'd like make me do work Basically, I like, wouldn't get like a day to rest and like my feet would be soaked and I like, couldn't change out like my socks. It was pretty awful um, being in the field. The artillery, like, it was just constant consistently like loud noises like everywhere and then like I, I worked in like the cfc with all like the higher-ups i couldn't like talk or anything because they would always tell me to like shut up and i couldn't have like coffee because coffee was for senior enlisted and like the officers and then like i would always rush to their aid like oh my computer like shut off and it's like it just died you know plug it in i did make some friends um maybe like one or two but they were like, they were like different MOSs. So I didn't see them like at all because they were like radio operators. Um, so they were just like doing some other stuff. And I was like in the tent while they were like outside. And I was just like running cables and stuff and like digging trenches and like burying the wires. So no, I didn't really, I didn't really have anyone in the field um, to be with. Except like the people I worked with, I got like the shit end of the stick because I was still the newest person. Um, and it wasn't until some like some someone more like dumb came into the unit where all of like the heat was like lifted off me and like directed into like the other person because they weren't they weren't the sharpest tool in the shed. So I was pretty excited when they showed up, <laughs> yeah. because that means I wasn't really getting shit on as much. Nobody really like mentored me, I guess, like the female corporal, she did like the best she could, but she wasn't really like the best at her job either. And I'd like to think I was like pretty like average at it. You know, like I knew what I was doing. I knew what I had to do, like how to do it and everything. No one told me like what to expect, like in the field. No one told me what to expect with like the higher ups or in like the unit or in the fleet. So I basically just like went in there, like not knowing anything. And instead of like trying to help me out, they just made me feel worse. They were like oh like you fucked up like you're stupid instead of like making me like or helping me fix it the only time i really remember like actually like not being like so worried was when i got like a fiber cable like tangled up and those are like really sensitive like because they can snap like immediately if you like handle it the wrong way and it was like tangled and i was like oh shit like they're gonna kill me and i was like just like sitting in the back of the tent trying to like untangle it and then like my corporal came she's like what are you doing and I tried to like hide it and she was like, Did you get it tangled? And I was like, Yeah. And I thought she was gonna like chew my ass out, but she was like, I'll help you real quick. And I was like, Oh, you like that's different. Like she's actually helping me. But that was like the only time. And the other times I was just like on my own. In the field, like in 2018, right before I PCS', a like seven-ton that was carrying all our food like burst into flames. The whole thing just like burned and like all our food like was gone. And then like people like pulled out their phones and they're like recording it. And like the gunny that was there was like, oh, delete it right now. And like everyone that like had it recorded was like getting in trouble because I guess it looks bad on the unit. Like if like their seven ton like was proven to be shitty and like not working. And it took us like days to get like food. So we were just like there with like no food and just like MREs. I guess like they wanted to like sweep it under the rug. Because I guess it looked really bad to have like a, a faulty truck and we weren't even like allowed to talk about it or like mention it. But that field op, I did learn pretty cool things because like I said, I got kicked out of like the the warm places so I just went to like the medical tent and they're like, what are you doing in here? And I was like, I'm cold. Like, I can't feel my feet, can't feel my hands. You know, like I'm getting sick. It's like raining. It's like really like it's flooded. They're like, well, if you're going to be in here, you're going to learn something. So I learned how to like draw blood, you know, give an IV. And like, I learned like a bunch of cool stuff from like the corpsmen. The rest of my enlistment went, I guess, as shitty as you can expect. But I had, I guess, met someone in um, Lejeune. Um, and he was like older than me, but I thought I was like pretty cool, you know, like being liked by like an NCO. So we started spending like more time together. And at the time I didn't know it, but he was basically like grooming me. Because he was maybe like six or seven years older than me. So like I was there like 19 years old turning 20 and he was like 26. And I thought I was like super cool, you know, like, oh, like a an older man's interested in me, you know, like a like a kid would think. And I didn't think I was a kid. I was like, oh, I'm like a Marine, you know, like I'm 19, like I'm an adult, like I know everything. So I thought I was pretty like I was pretty set, you know, I thought I was like a little badass, you know, and I guess we started like a romantic relationship and everything and it moved, it all moved like really quick and everybody was like telling me like, oh, like don't be with him, you know, like he's like a piece of shit. And I was like, no, he's not, he's like a good person. He like jumped into the ocean to save some stupid kid that was drowning. So I thought he was like a good person and I was like obsessed with this man, you know. He was a corporal and I was like a Lance Corporal, but I had met him when I was a PFC. Um, We just weren't really in like the same shop. Um, We didn't like really work together that much. He had like serious mental issues though. But I guess at the time I didn't notice that they were red flags. And I guess that just made like my time in 10th Marines shittier because I was with him. Everybody started treating me like shittier because I wasn't listening to them. And they were like, oh, like he's a bad person and he's also a corporal and you're like a Lance Corporal. So we're just going to treat you shittier because that's fraternization. And then so like I would constantly be like getting like in trouble or like getting like extra duties that other people like wouldn't get. As like a retaliation for like being with someone like older than me and like a different rank or like a like more superior than me. Probably the first time that I started getting worried was when we were driving to like Emerald Island or Emerald Isle or whatever. And then like he ran a red light and I was telling him to like stop being on Facebook and driving because it was dangerous and we could like die. And he like ended up running the light. And I was like, dude, I told you. And he just like went like ballistic. He like started having like a bitch fit. And he was just like yelling and like banging his like head and like his hands on the steering wheel. And I was just sitting there and I was like, "Oh my god, like what's happening?" you know? And like I was afraid. I was like, this man is insane, but for some reason that wasn't enough of a red flag for me. So I like still continued to like be with him and like slowly now that I think back on it, I could see that he was kind of like treating me like badly and like manipulating me. I had um a bucket list of like stuff that I wanted to do and like see cuz I figured like if I'm going to hate my life in like North Carolina, might as well like try and make the best out of it and like go to like Asheville and like see the mountains and like go to like national park or two. And he would like play the nice guy and be like, Oh yeah, I'll help you like fulfill your bucket list. You know, like, um, I'll buy you like these nice things, you know, but then we were like driving up to like Virginia and there was like an abandoned shack on the side of the road. And he's like, Oh, that'd be a good photo opportunity. And I was like, No, it's not. I was like, why would I want to take, why would I want to take a picture next to an abandoned old shack? And he, like, got so mad at me for, like, not wanting to take a picture next to the abandoned shack. And he was like, oh, my God, like, you're such a, like, stupid kid. Like, you're... Like, why are you being a bitch, you know? And like, you know what, just fuck the bucket list. And you know, like fuck you and fuck your bucket list. Like I'm not helping you do your bucket list anymore. And like basically just saying like all that stuff to me. And I was like, I wanted to like cry because I was like, oh my God, like what is happening? And I was like, no, no, you know what? I'll just go take a picture. Cause I didn't want to make him mad. And I was like, let's go take a picture. He's like, no. I don't want to take the picture anymore. Like you ruined it. And I was like, oh my God, like I ruined it. And so I really started to believe that like I was the problem in the relationship. And he would always compare me to his ex-wife always. And I should have known that was like another red flag, but I guess I just wanted to like be better than her and be like, oh, like she didn't do this. You know, she was going to be a doctor. She blah, blah, blah. Her parents were rich. There wasn't like a day that went by where he wasn't like comparing me to like another woman or something. And then there was this other chick. Oh, my gosh. But she basically like hit me up on Instagram and she tried to warn me. She was like, he's crazy. He held me at like knife point or whatever. He had a knife to my neck. And he was like, and he got me pregnant. And he's like not paying child support. And I didn't believe her. Now it's like, shit, she was right. But at the time, I didn't believe her. I was like, oh, she's just crazy, you know? And he would always call all his exes crazy, like, she's crazy, and she's crazy, and she's crazy. And now it's like, the only reason he would say that is because he's crazy, and he ruined every relationship, And like I would just be like messaging her back and forth, and I'd be like, "Oh, you're lying! Stop lying to me!" And she would like send me pictures of like the baby, you know. And she was like, "This is his kid," and I was like, "No, it's not," you know. And she's like, "You're you're young, you're dumb, like you don't know what you're getting yourself into." Like I've been with this man before, and he's crazy. And he'd be like, "Oh, like you're such a good girlfriend, like you're defending me," and I felt like I was actually doing something good. And then one day, I like did the math because. For some reason, like the math wasn't mathing, you know, and I was like, dude, like, I think it's your kid. He's like, well, you know, it might be. And I was like, then why didn't you just say it in the first place? He's like, well, you know, I just didn't want you to think I was like a bad person. And I was like, huh, you know, like something's not right here. He's like, well, also, like, I don't want to pay child support because I'm broke. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, yeah, like, I just spent all my money on you and you're the reason I'm broke. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm the reason he's broke. So I just thought that was my fault, too, that he couldn't provide for that kid. So he ended up proposing to me in a cheddar scratch kitchen. Um, and I honestly didn't really want to say yes, but I was like, everyone's watching. And I feel like if I say no, he's going to like kill me in my sleep. So I just said yes. And I like regretted it like instantly. Like I didn't want to tell my friends. I didn't want to tell my family. Like I didn't want to wear the stupid ring. Ugh, it was just like, now that I think back, of, back on it, I like physically feel sick, <laughs> like thinking about it. He proposed to me because he got orders to Okinawa. And then he was leaving. And I obviously couldn't go with him because we weren't married yet. But he wanted me there with him. But I remember like, sending a picture to like my best friend from high school. And she's like, shit, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I can't just get out of this. Like, I'm already in it. Um, And then I remember like telling my sister, she's like, dude, you're so young. Like, you shouldn't be getting married. And I was like, I don't know what to do. You know, like, like, yeah, I love him, but I don't think I like want to marry him. And then like, obviously my mom didn't agree and then my dad didn't agree. And then they were like, oh, like you're messing up. Like you're doing everything like the wrong way. You're too young. You can't even drink. And then I was like scared, you know, I had my, I was like apprehensive um, because I had like a bad gut feeling, but I didn't listen to it. Um, and then I ended up marrying him in December of 2017 in like a courthouse wedding in Santa Ana, California. And that night we got into like a huge fight because he wanted McDonald's and I was like, okay, let's go get McDonald's. I don't even remember what the fight was about if I'm being honest, but I basically just like spent the night like alone in like the room and like the hotel room crying. And he was like, oh, because of you, I had to eat like my McChicken in the elevator, like crying on the floor. And I was like, okay, like that sounds bad. But like I spent like my wedding night, just like crying my eyes out, like in a hotel room, like by myself. That's when I feel like I should have known it was going to not be a good time. And then like the next few days we went to get like we went to like pick up like our marriage certificate or something. Cause I needed it to like change my name and like go to IPAC and do all that stuff. Cause I was really excited. And we got into a fight on the way from San Diego to Santa Ana to the courthouse. And he literally was like about to throw our rings like in the freeway. We like pulled over to the side and he was like berating me and like calling me dumb and like names and like, you know, like bitch, slut, all that stuff. And some trucker pulled over. He's like, are you guys okay? He's like, oh yeah, yeah, we're fine. We're fine. And then the guy was like, I don't, you guys don't look okay. And he's like, yeah, fuck off. We're fine. And then he almost like threw our like rings in like the freeway. And I was like, what the hell? You know, I was kind of freaking out. And I was like, bro, I kind of want to like annul this marriage. But I was like afraid because obviously like that man had like issues. So I felt like he was going to kill me. You know, if I wanted to like stop the marriage, that's what we did. We like got married. And then like I pushed super hard till I get orders Eventually I did get orders, but right after, as I was saying that our leave ended, I went back to Lejeune um, and I was like super excited to be like married, you know, I went and like changed my name and I was like super happy. But then like every day he would like threaten me with divorce. He would want to be on the phone with me all the time on the drive to work, on the drive to the chow hall, on the drive back to the shop, on the drive to the barracks, on my drive to the gym, at the gym. And it'd, be, it'd just be like, dude, like, I just need a second to myself. I just want to listen to music. I want to, like, chill. I want to watch Netflix. I want to take a nap. I just want to eat my lunch in peace. I want to eat my dinner in peace. And he would be, like, controlling me, like, oh, you can't go to the chow hall with so-and-so. You can't drive your Marines. Uh, they can't get in your car because they're men. And I'm like, dude, they're my PFCs. Like, I have to drive them. They don't have a car. It's like, no, you can't drive them. You know, like they're going to like hit on you or they're going to and then you're going to fall in love with them and then you're going to cheat on me and then you're going to leave me. And then like he's like, I need you. But then he would like be like one extreme and then like the other extreme, like, fuck you. I hate you. Like, I'm going to divorce you. I regret marrying you. And then like, oh, no, I love you. I need you. Please don't leave me. Like, we're going to be married forever. Like, I-, I won't do this to you again. And it was just like the endless cycle of like abuse, like psychological like abuse, because obviously, like he wasn't there. So he couldn't physically abuse me. And yeah, I mean, that's just basically how my time went from like January when I got back from leave to like June or July of 2018 to when I got to Oki we were in the field for like a while and then we got back and I was driving to a friend's house to do laundry because everybody in the barracks was doing laundry and our washers and dryers sucked. So I didn't want like my shit to get stuck, you know, in like the water and then smell like shit. So I asked a friend if I could go to her house and she's like, yeah, sure. And like on the way back, I just wanted to chill. It was like midnight and I was heading back to the barracks and I just like want, I had a long day, you know, cause we got back from the field. I had to go clean my stupid weapon. And then like, I had to go back, you know, to my room, sort everything out and then drive to her house and then drive back. And then like, he was like calling me and I was like, dude, look, I just need a second. I just want to listen to music. I want to drive in peace. It's a 20 minute drive. And he was like, no, you're going to talk to me right now. And I was like, I'm not going to talk to you. Like, I don't want to talk to you. I just want to chill. And he's like, why are you cheating on me? Like, is there another man in the car? And then like, he kept calling me and I kept like hanging up, like pressing like the button on the side of the, like the iPhone. That's when he just went like crazy. You know, he was like calling like the girls, the girl whose house I was just at. He was like texting me you know, calling me like names, being like, oh, like you're such a bitch, you know, like I should never married you, like I hate you. Like I hope you get into like a car accident and die, you know, just stuff like that. And then like when I got back to like the room or my barracks room, then I answered the phone and I was like, I shouldn't have answered the phone because then he was just like berating me. When I turned 21 that year, on my birthday, he started, like, a big fight. And then he was like, no, fuck you and fuck your birthday. And basically, like, I didn't, like, talk to him at all. And, like, he would just send me, like, text messages, like, oh, fuck you. Like, I still hate you. And then I just remember, like, my mom calling me. And then like, I just talking to her, like, on my birthday. Um, and that's basically it. Like, that was the only person I spoke to because, like, he wouldn't call me. He wouldn't answer my texts. He wouldn't like say he is like, sorry, I finally got orders and I was super excited. And I ended up going to 7th Comm on Camp Hansen in Oki. And when I first got there, everything, I thought everything was going to get better because I was like, oh, well, we're separated right now. So it's stressful when we're together. It's going to be so much better. Like everything will be fixed. Like we're not going to be like fighting anymore. He's going to treat me better. Like everything's going to get better. And he like picked me up at the airport after like a day of flying and he had like flowers and he was like super excited. And I was like, oh, finally, you know, everything's going to get better. And he like took me to Family Mart and he got me like ice cream. We like checked into like the hotel on base and like everything kind of was fine for like a day or two. And I went to my unit to check in. I met like, you know, like the company gunny and like some sergeant and then like the clerk. The company clerk and like they liked me and everything was fine and he they liked him. And they're like, wow, like you got a good one. And in my head, I was like, Ugh, you know, like not really. Also, like we didn't have a house yet because I told him I was like, can you look for a house while I'm still in in Lejeune? Because I don't want to get there and live in the barracks. I want to get there and move into the house because that's just like less stuff. I'll have to move, you know. And he didn't find a house because he didn't listen to me. And he basically was like, oh, like, it's your fault. I didn't find a house, you know, because like you didn't help me look. And I'm like, I'm not even there. I wasn't there. I couldn't help you look. And then I gave him money to buy me a car and he bought me a car I didn't want. And then had someone else register it under their name and they didn't want to give the car to me. So they basically kept the car and I didn't get my money back. So I basically bought someone else a car. I ended up having to live in the barracks for like a week or two because he didn't find a house. And then finally I like moved into the house with him. And then everything was fine for like a day or two, but then he started like working out in town at like a bar because he liked to think of himself as like an entrepreneur. He was like, oh, I'm going places, you know, like I'm a businessman. And he would just like do business with like the Japanese locals at like some bar by like Kadena Air Force Base. And then he would never like let me go. He'd be like, oh, like you're not, I don't want you to go cause you killed the vibe. Like you just sit there and you don't talk to people and all you do is like sit there and drink and like laugh at people's jokes. And I'd just be at home all day and all night and he'd like never come back and I would just be like watching movies like by myself and like he wouldn't let me have friends. He wouldn't let me go out. I didn't know anyone because I had just gotten there. I just didn't really have a good time like my first like few weeks in Japan. I was fortunate enough to get to 7th Comm when I was a corporal. So I didn't really get treated like shit because the shop was kind of run by NCOs. Um, And my experience was pretty good. I first got to the unit and I was treated like with respect, you know, like I made friends pretty quick because all the NCOs kind of like banded together. But I didn't really experience much of the unit. I got thrown on an op like right away. My first like two, two three weeks there, I already got thrown on an op kind of like did the buildup where we just like configured everything like in the shop and then we took it over to like a different base and set everything up and i basically had like a night watch every so often and the sergeant that was in charge of me was pretty cool she would let us go in like our civvies to like the watch because the op hadn't started yet like there was no secret stuff like we could have a phone we could just chill we just had to watch the gear so i was just getting to like know people and so like i didn't really know anyone and then one night i got invited to like a going away for this other NCO that had been there for a few years that like everyone liked. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go. You know, like I don't have friends. This could be my chance to like make friends. So I told like my husband at the time, I was like, oh, like I'm gonna go to this like get together. It's like a going away party. And he's like, okay, that's fine. I'm just gonna be at the bar anyway. So then I went and I had a pretty good time. I met like a lot of people, like I made friends. I got to know people from my shop better, like the NCOs and like the other, like the junior Marines. And then um, I was the only one that wasn't drinking because I had to drive back to my house off base, but everyone got like wasted. And then the person who was supposed to drive the guy to the airport couldn't drive him. So I had to do it. And I volunteered because like, I'm not an asshole, you know, like I don't want someone to miss their flight. And so I texted my husband. I was like, oh, I'm going to like drive someone to the airport on Kadena. And he's like, no, don't do it. And I was like, why not? He's like, because if you do it, that means you don't love me. And I was like, what? And he's like, oh, like, don't do it. Like, he's going to try to like hit on you, you know, like, and I was like, he's drunk. He's not going to do anything. And he was like, oh, well, you know, like if you do it, that means like you're giving up on me and you're giving up on us and like you don't love me. And I was like, I'm just dropping someone off at the airport. And he was like, oh, like, if you do that, you know, that means like we're basically done. Like our marriage is just like in shambles, you know, like you're picking him over me. And I was like, look, dude, I'm just going to drop someone off at the airport and I'll literally be back in like an hour. And he was just like texting and calling me and like spamming me and saying like, oh, like you don't love me anymore. Like you must hate me. You know, like, why would you do this to me? Why would you do this to us? And then the drive back, like, he was texting me. He's like, oh, like, you're a bitch. Like, I hate you. Um, like, like, I don't want to come home to you. Or like, uh, I better not see you when I come home. And then he texted me. He's like, let's have sex when I get home. And I was like, no, ew. And he's like, no, he's like, I want to. And I'm like, well, I don't, you know. And then I got home and he was still texting me. He's like, we're going to have sex when I get home. And I was like, no, we're not. And I was like, we're not, dude. And then like, I get back and the house was a mess so messy I hadn't been home the whole day and he went home before he went to that bar so he hadn't cleaned anything dirty dishes like shit on the floor clothes everywhere super messy and I was like dude you didn't even clean and I was like that's the one thing I asked you to do you know and he's like oh like when I get home like get ready (laughs) sorry he's like get ready like we're gonna have sex and I was like no dude I was like, we're not. And I was like, you didn't clean the house. It looks like shit in here. And I just, I was like, I'm getting ready for bed. Like, don't even wake me up when you get back. So I went downstairs and I got ready. He was just texting me. He was like, I'm on my way home. Like, I hate you. You're a piece of shit. Like, and he was drunk. So he was driving drunk home. And he was just like spamming me, like hate messages. And it's not funny. I'm just laughing because it's like trauma, but heard the door open. And my first thought was like, shit, he's back. And then he like, he basically, it was like a scene from a movie. He just like, the door like flew open. He just like gave me like a death stare. And then I was like, hey, like, how'd it go? Just like trying to make basic conversation. And he like ignored me. And I was like, oh, like, what's up, dude? And like, I like kind of like started to try and like talk to him to kind of like, I already knew what kind of mood he was in. Because I, at that point, it was like two different extremes. I could like tell. Then he like wasn't talking to me. And he was just like staring at me like he was going to kill me. And then, like, he did try to kill me that night. He, like, almost strangled me to death. I feel like I was a few seconds away from death, basically, because he, like, strangled me, like, multiple times. And at one point, he had me in, like, a rear chokehold or whatever, the one, like, where your neck is here and their hand is, like, right there. And that's when I was, like, losing consciousness, basically. Like, my head felt like it was about to explode. You know, everything was going black. I obviously couldn't breathe. And then he just let go. And I don't know why. The next thing I remember, I was just, like, gasping for air, like, on the floor. And then, like, I obviously couldn't breathe. And I was just like... You know, like trying to get as much air into my lungs as I could. And then like, that's when he was like kicking me and like hitting me and like throwing me back on like the bed. And probably the worst part of that whole thing was when he said like that he was going to like kill me and then like kill my family and then kill my friends and then kill himself. And then like I tried to like get away and he did give me a chance to get away. He was like, look, I'm going to give you one chance to run, you know, And I'm going to give you a head start before I chase you. And I was like, oh my God, okay. And then like I went, as soon as like he let me go, I went to grab my ID because obviously like they need to know who I am. I need to have proof that I'm in like the Marine Corps and like I am who I say I am. And then as I reached for my ID, he said wrong choice. And he basically just like got on top of me again and started strangling me. He was just saying, he's like, like, I'm going to kill you. like, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill myself. He's like, you're not going to show up for work. Everyone's gonna be like wondering where you are. Like no one's gonna know that like you're dead, you know? And like no one's gonna know that I did it because I'm gonna kill myself. I just like was begging. I was like, dude, just let me call my mom, please. I was like, just please. Like I need to hear her voice before I die. But he was like, no, like, you're not going to call your mom, like, your family's going to be, like, wondering, like, how you died and, like, where you died and, like, you know, like, if I killed you or not. And he was just basically saying how, like, much he was going to kill me. He was like, oh, pick who dies first, you or me. And I was like, that doesn't make sense because you said you were going to kill me and then kill yourself. And then all of a sudden, like, he just, like, kind of, like, fell asleep. I don't know. He was mixing, like, alcohol in his stupid pills that he took. He just, like, passed out, and I just was there on the bed, like, the whole night, just, like, sitting there, like, watching him. And that's definitely one of my biggest regrets today is, like, not getting up and, like, trying to sneak out and, like, getting the police more like knocking on like a neighbor's house till they open because we lived like next to like Americans and like Japanese people. But I basically just sat there the whole night watching him waiting till he like woke up. And then the next morning he woke up and it's as if nothing happened. He was like, oh, what happened last night? And I was like, you don't remember? He's like, no. And I had like bruises all over my body and like had like a busted lip. He's like, oh, did I do that? And I was like, yeah, you did. He's like, I don't remember. And he's like, let's have sex. And I was like, no, that same day, like we were going to like a like dragon boat racing event thing. So then like I went and I like I was like wearing jeans and stuff and like kind of like a like a quarter sleeve shirt. And he's like, why are you wearing that? And I'm like, because I have bruises, like you idiot. Like, don't you remember? And it was just, like, really, really hot that day. And, like, I did not want to be there, like, at all. But I had to, like, pretend to, like, play happy. I had, like, an internal dilemma, um, like, an internal conflict. Because I was like, dude, like, should I report him? Should I not report him? You know, like, I don't want him to get in trouble. You know, like, I don't want him to, like, face repercussions. I ended up telling, like, my girlfriend and then my a friend that I've known since I was, like, probably, like, 16, and they both obviously told me to like report it but I was like like iffy about it you know like I didn't know if I wanted to do it or not but then like my friend was like dude like imagine if this was your sister you know like what would you tell her to do and I was like you know what you're right so I kind of just like pretended like everything was fine that day on Monday um when I went to work I like the first thing I did I was like I asked my sergeant I was like can I talk to you for a second and she's like yeah what's up and I like told her the whole story and then like that's when that's when shit got real. And that's when like shit hit the fan. Cause that, that's when it just all went downhill. My sergeant helped me like report it. And then like, I remember talking to the, for my first sergeant, because like, we knew each other from our other unit. Cause that, that first sergeant was some like S4 gunny or whatever at the time. And then, um, he basically said, Oh, like he doesn't seem like the type who would do that. And I'm like, but he did, you know, like he did do it. And then he was like, oh, well, you know, like, I don't know if we should get the police involved. And I was like, well, we need to. I went to PMO and they took my statement and then I had to go to like Tory station to talk to like the army people, like CID or whatever. And I spent like 10 million years there. I got home at like two or three in the morning the next day. Like I had to go to work again. And then basically like the whole command knew at that point. And I had to go like, talk to like my company commander. And then I had to go talk to, like, Sergeant Major and then the CEO, And I guess, like, that's what really made me, like, lose, like, respect for, like, and faith in, like, the Marine Corps. Because I want to talk to my Sergeant Major, which was Sergeant Major Bradley, first name Nathaniel. And then he was like, well, um, you must have done something to, like, make him want to kill you and like you're dishonoring like yourself you're dishonoring your vows you're dishonoring him like why do you want to divorce him like you've only been married eight months like you're not even trying you know you should stay and work it out my wife and i abused each other but look at us now we're fine and he like showed me a picture of him and his wife and he was like yeah she threw like a lamp or something at my head and i have like a scar but we're still together we made it work And I was like, what the hell? I was just standing there, like, being, like, scrutinized for, like, my decision. And I was going to say something, but my first sergeant cut me off, which was good because I probably would have been, like, NJP or something. But he basically, like, didn't believe me. And then I went to talk to, like, the CO, and I, like, told him what happened, and I gave, like, my side of the story. And he seemed, like, more concerned, but I feel like his job is just to, like, pretend he cares about his Marines. I tried to file, like, a... tour conversion or, and then I spoke to like NCIS and they did like a whole investigation and I got like an a MPO. They kicked him out of the house and he moved back into the barracks on Camp Foster. And I got to keep the house for a while, a while I got, I got everything like situated. And during that time, he like sent threats to like my friends and family. He stalked me, he would send people to like drive by my house. And there was like no escape because we were still on the same island. So I would see him everywhere. And like, I was like scared for my life, you know, like I fell into like depression, had anxiety, you know, I had like nightmares, night terrors, like I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat, you know, I lost like a ton of weight. And then, like I said before, I tried to file like a tour conversion to kind of just like leave the island because obviously my life was in danger. Everyone, I guess in the company, like the company level, like endorsed it. And then it went up to like, obviously like the battalion level. And then at first they got sent to like the MIG. Where uh, Colonel Jenkins could either like approve it or like deny it. And he sent it back to my to my unit. And he was like, oh, we need proof that her life is in danger. And then I was like, well, there it is. You know, I'm being stalked. I'm being threatened. My family's being threatened, you know, like I need to leave. And then basically, like they sent it back up and then it just got denied. And the reason was like, oh, like they're, she's safe under our command. And it just like they wrote it on the paper, too. And they're like, oh, your life's not in danger. Like, you're safe. You're perfectly safe here with us. So you can't leave. And I was like, that's your solution. You're going to keep me on the same island as the guy who tried to murder me, you know, on purpose. I filed like an unrestricted report or whatever, like where like, you know, like and I tried to take him to court. And the investigation took forever. Um, I was interviewed like a number of times. Um, they he tried to like plead insanity or whatever, say that he's like demented or psychotic or whatever, and that he can't like stand trial. But the doctor like proved that he was fit to stand trial. And after like a year, I we finally got like a charge sheet and he was going to be charged with like assault and like battery or something like that. But then the trial day, even like the first court appearance kept getting like pushed back and he knew he was fucked because he hired like a civilian lawyer too instead of like the Marine Corps lawyers. They took like my weapon away. I couldn't do anything like I like I felt like unsafe, you know, and had to go to therapy and like I couldn't go anywhere because we were still married. So like if I was even hanging out with someone of like the opposite gender, they'd be like, oh, you're a whore, you know, like you're cheating on him, like you're like NJP for what it like infidelity or whatever. So like I couldn't like go off island to like just chill on like the 96s. like they wouldn't let me do like any of that stuff until I was like legally separated or divorced. Um, The divorce process was, like, awful because obviously, like, we had, like, a restraining order. So I couldn't even, like, talk to him and be, like, sign the papers. And my lawyer had to, like, serve him the papers. And he wouldn't even sign them. It took him, like, weeks and weeks to sign the papers. And he was, like, begging me, like, on our supervised phone calls. He's like, please don't divorce me. Like, I'll change, you know. And he was, like, crying on the phone. And I was like, no, like, I'm going to divorce you. You know, like, you're a piece of shit. And then I had to pay back a fuck ton of money because when we first got the house, they gave me money to like move into the house and like pay like the first month rent and like all this stuff. So it was like 10 grand. So then they took that money away from me and I didn't get paid for like five months. So I was just there like in the barracks, like I couldn't fill up my car. I couldn't get food. Like it was at the point to where my coworkers had to like buy me food and like fill up my car for me because I couldn't afford it. And like I had money saved like in my savings account, but that's for like I couldn't just drain it, you know, or else I would have nothing left. I finally finished like paying it off in like, I don't know, I can't even remember like June or something. And that's when I started finally getting like full paychecks again. That was pretty awful. Somebody that I thought that I could trust that was in my life at the time, they took it in their hands to like access like confidential documents that they shouldn't have had access to on the share drive. So they basically, they had like admin privileges, like administrator privileges, where they could just like log into like different servers and like access a whole bunch of shit. And they abused those privileges and they basically went onto the share drive and they pulled all the legal files that pertain to the case and they tried to show them to me. And they texted them to me. I got a text that says, oh, look at this. And I was like, oh, he fucked us, dude. That's the first thing I thought. I was like, don't text me anything else. Like I'm gonna talk to you face to face. And it did end up biting me in the ass in like a few weeks later. Cause I was like battling with myself. I was like, should I tell my lawyer? Should I not tell my lawyer? Like, cause they're going to find out, you know, and like I'm going to get fucked if they find out. So I did end up telling them. And then obviously like everything blew out of proportion even more. They ended up wanting to charge me with, like, obstruction of justice and, like, a whole other bunch of, like, articles. And I had to, like, go to NCIS and talk to them again. But obviously, like, I'm not dumb. And I was like, I have a lawyer. So, like, talk to my lawyer. The trial got, like, pushed back and back and back. And now he had a lot of ground to stand on because some idiot did some illegal shit. And then, like, now they couldn't charge him because everything just went, like, into the trash, you know? So, like, the trial got canceled. And then I was like, well, fuck, what do we do, you know? I was pushing for like an NJP, like anything, you know, like anything, like repercussion, like, please, you know, he did end up getting NJP'd by like some general. I remember like standing in the room because we were in like the same room together. And at that time, like I was like a sergeant, I had like my name back. I hadn't seen him for like a year and a half, maybe. His like major and his first sergeant were being like cocksuckers. And they're like, oh, he's a great Marine. You know, he watches people pee and he makes sure that there's no drugs in their system, you know? And like, they were like trying to use like the urinalysis to like prove that he was like a trustworthy person. You know, but the evidence was like right there. Like pictures everything from like they even spoke to like his exes and everything and like there was proof that he was like insane so then like they they kicked us out to like deliberate and the general found him like guilty so he got like knocked down you know he got kicked out with like he didn't get an honorable discharge he got something else and then he like got his like pay taken away but that's not where this bullshit ended because he got kicked out sent back to the states and they let him go back to japan as a civilian they let him back on the island back where I was and I always saw him on Camp Hansen, always. And then they were trying to like NJP me because of like obstruction of justice or whatever. And my command, they had completely changed over different captain, different first sergeant, right? And they were basically fighting for me. They're like, she literally like had nothing to do with this. I basically like got a 6105 saying like I tried to like obstruct justice and I wrote like a rebuttal. The CO had signed it, right? And I wrote my rebuttal and I signed it. And the CO was like, oh, never mind, I'm gonna change what your 6105 says. And I was like, what the hell? So then he rewrote a completely different 6105 because of my rebuttal. And he basically like rebutted like everything I said in my like rebuttal. And then I like wrote another one. And I was like, and you can't like take it back, bitch. Like this is final, you know? So like I didn't really face any like, repercussions. You know, I just got like a 6105. And the guy, the friend that did everything, he um, was a civilian when it happened. So he ended up like getting kicked off the island because he was a contractor at the time and he got barred from like every military base for like 20 years. So now like he can't work a contractor job like at all. can't get on base, can't be on base, can't be affiliated with anything on the base or the military at all. And I got texts from him like months after that happened saying, I hate you. You're the reason why I can't like work on base. Now I can't be a contractor because of you. And I'm like, you literally did this to yourself you're the one who made the choice to access all the stuff that you shouldn't have been like looking at, you know? So after my experience in the Marine Corps um, transition, like in terms of like, what is it called like TRS and like my plans were pretty like set. I knew I didn't want to stay in. I knew I wanted to go to school. I knew what I wanted to study. I had started my associates while I was still in the Marine Corps and I finished it like right as I got out. And then I applied to schools and I got in and I decided that where I wanted to move. So I started making plans by like finding like an apartment because I didn't want to live with my parents again. And then I went to SEPs and, you know, that sucked for like a month. And then I finally got my DD and I got out and I went back to like live with my parents. And that sucked because it's like my mental health for like the last five years has been a struggle. Um, and at that point, like. I actually got diagnosed with like PTSD, I got diagnosed with OCD, you know, I had like a tick disorder um, that I'm trying like really hard to like not do anything right now. And like I was on like a bunch of meds um, and like obviously I wasn't really in like a good place like mentally. And all my parents had known about my divorce was that like he just like wasn't a good guy. And so like I divorced him, but they didn't really know any details I didn't really tell my family that many details just because I didn't want them to, like, worry about me. So being there was, like, difficult for me. Like, I was going insane. First few months after the Marine Corps were pretty difficult. But then I moved to a different state and I, like, started going to school and I got my own place. And everything got a little better. But in terms of mental health, I was still struggling, having nightmares. I was still having night terrors, you know. I had, like, I was, like, hypervigilant, you know. I was still having, like, flashbacks and everything. So I was like, I need therapy. I like started like talking to her and they put me on like a bunch of meds and like none of them work. And then I had like migraines and it took me like a year to get my disability rating. Um, and they didn't even count the migraines as like something caused by the Marine Corps. At one point, I like wanted to like kill myself. I was like taking like antipsychotics. I was taking like all this shit and it just wasn't working. I wasn't feeling better. I went through like all of 2022 just like feeling like shit. And then I finally kind of found a med that worked, but it made me gain like 25 pounds. So I felt like even shittier because like my body image, like self-image was just not where I wanted it to be because I was going to the gym, I was eating right and I was still gaining weight. So I just felt like horrible. And then I like stopped being on that med and then I like transitioned to like another one earlier this year. And then that's when like stuff started getting like really bad. Like I ended up like checking myself into like a psych ward in early February 2023 because I literally was going to like kill myself. And I stayed there for a few days and like I got out. And then I like, I guess I had like more intense like therapy sessions, like more frequently. And to this day, I still haven't really been able to process the trauma just because it's like really heavy. So if we do too many sessions at once, I'll feel like I'm going to kill myself again. So we have to like stop every once in a while and like I can't get off my meds cause I'm so dependent on them. If I stop trying to take my mood stabilizer for like even two days, I get like all like fucked up again. I'll get like irritated, like crazy angry, you know like I'll wanna like punch a wall or something. So I need to like keep taking them consistently. And like, there are still things that like I do right now that I don't even understand why I do them because of like all like the trauma that I've been through. And I honestly like sometimes like I don't think I'll ever be able to like live without like meds or like therapy um, or like I don't feel like I'll ever be like normal again. And it's just like really depressing to think about sometimes because before that happened like I was fine, you know, Um, I was like perfectly fine. Like I was like depressed and anxious sometimes like a normal person would get, but like I didn't have any like super like severe um, mental health issues like I have now. I did end up finding a therapist that um, I actually really liked. I'm still seeing her right now. I think I found her last year because when the incident first happened, the command basically like forced me to go to therapy. It wasn't really good for me because I wasn't allowed to talk about the incident because the investigation was still going on. So basically, I was just sitting there for an hour every week or twice a week, just like chilling, I guess, like not really being able to process the incident because it was still an ongoing investigation. Um And after I got out, I went through, like, maybe two therapists. I just didn't really like them. And, like, the doctor I was seeing, she wasn't very, like, responsive. And, like, my requests were just getting, like, pushed aside. So I finally, like, found one that I liked. And she's actually really cool. Therapy's been, like, really helpful, um, I've been able to like process a lot of things not only from like the trauma in the Marine Corps but also like in like my childhood and like stuff going around me and I've learned like good um, like coping mechanisms and it's really helped me to like not be like as stressed about stuff and it's helped me understand why I react the way I do to certain things and it's just it's been a really validating process overall. When I first reported the incident like not really a lot of people believed me. Most of the people who didn't believe me were like higher-ups or men. So I really had to fight to just be believed. And I feel like that's a lot of the reason, or that's like a big reason why a lot of like people, women especially, um, don't really report abuse. And I feel like that's an even bigger reason why men wouldn't report abuse because who's gonna believe a man's getting abused, right? There's gonna be someone out there that would believe you, like I would believe you, you know, like if you told me. So I would just say to like, Rip the Band-Aid off. And I know it's scary. Do the scary thing now and just be scared later is what I would suggest. And I also have something to say to the the four people who fucked me over. So first of all, first Sergeant Kearns, fuck you. Sergeant Major Bradley, fuck you too. Lieutenant Colonel Glad, fuck you again. And fuck you, Colonel Jenkins. And yeah, so you guys didn't take me seriously. I could have died. You said I was safe. I didn't feel safe. So you can all go suck my dick. And that's all I have to say.